Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. My name is Kristen Sanat, and you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, I'm joined by Drew and Rachel Harding, owners of the Spokane Alpine House. We talk about how we each were introduced to skiing, how we introduced our children to the sport, some tips and tricks to keep little ones engaged while on the slopes, and of course, we spend a little time talking about kids' gear. Specifically, what to look for, what to avoid, how to get the entire family on the slopes, and how ski shops help to play a role in introducing the next generation of skiers and riders. Before we get started, I'd like to say a little more about our Blister Recommended Shop Program. Blister Shops are a collection of the best service-oriented shops in the world. These are the places we trust most in a given locale to work on our boots, to wrench on our bikes, to tune our skis and snowboards, and to recommend the right equipment. It's not to say that there aren't some other great shops out there, but our shops list are the shops that we know and we trust. We'll vouch for each of them. Every shop on our list has been vetted, and Spokane Alpine House is one of our Blister Shops. Located in Spokane, Washington, the Spokane Alpine House is known for its knowledgeable and friendly customer service, which is evident in the conversation I have with Drew and Rachel Harding. They also have skilled technicians, an incredible seasonal lease program, and a great lineup of products. If you're in the area, stop by and tell them we sent you. To check out our entire list of recommended shops, click the link in our show notes or head over to blisterreview.com backslash blister dash shops. And if you know of a shop that should be on our list, please let us know. And with that, let's get to my conversation with Drew and Rachel Harding. I'm excited to be here with Drew and Rachel Harding, owners of the Spokane Alpine House. We've got a great conversation. Um, our topic is skiing with uh, kids or skiing with as a family. So uh, Drew and Rachel, I think, are uh, going to have some great opinions on this and advice for folks. So to start, if you guys could just kind of go over your background in skiing, specifically how you learned, if your parents played a role in that. Um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So I would actually tell you skiing was a huge uh, part of my family. Um, I'm actually the youngest of four kids. And uh, if you believe it or not, four kids in five years. Um, so uh, funnily enough, Kristen, I just turned 40, um, uh, which is pretty fun. But my sister is 41. My other sister's 42. And my brother, I believe, is 44. Uh, so we were all, um, you know, pretty close in age. And I think that skiing was a huge part of my parents, um, you know, before they had kids. And so I think it was just a natural way for us all to go do stuff as a family. Um, I also think it's so affordable when you have a family that big, you know, you can get those family passes and things like that. So we got passes and basically uh, every weekend, two days a week, we would go up to Snowball uh, outside of Missoula, well, pretty much inside Missoula. And uh, we'd ski as a family. And it, uh, you know, it kind of started when I was, I'm the youngest. So a lot of times I'd go up there and I was just kind of a lodge baby and, uh, my family would go out skiing and, <laughs> um, you know, and then I think I started skiing when I was four, uh, and took some private lessons, uh, that quickly translated into just, uh, starting to ski with a family and, 
um, that was kind of our introduction into it. But I mean, that was my base introduction. Yeah, no, mine, mine was similar. Um, my mom was the, the skier in the family. So she got me going, I was probably five or six, somewhere in there. And then uh, when my sister was probably about the same age, she would take us up to the hill and we'd usually go up on Sundays and do group lessons for half the day and then go ski with my mom for the other half the day or run around the mountain with some other friends that were up there as well. So um, skied a bunch as a kid until high school and then kind of some traditional sports took over and we weren't allowed to, to ski much over the winters, but then got back into it pretty heavily um, once I was in college. So yeah, kind of just a, a basic entry into it. And so we, we were one day a week, maybe family, maybe once every other week kind of during, during lessons and and that's kind of evolved from there now. I'll go over my background just briefly because it's somewhat similar, although my mom um, is from Missouri and did not grow up skiing. So my dad is from northern New Hampshire, and he was a ski patroller before they met, uh, was a ski patroller while we were young just to get family passes for us. Um, and my gram was an instructor at a local mountain, and you know, ski school or our school always took kids out skiing if they wanted to. Um, and then we had fields uh, in our old, like old farmhouse area and we would go cross country skiing every day as a family too, when we were really young. So a lot of kind of similar, like family, um, background on how they showed my brothers and I the way as well and to love snow. So Rachel, you mentioned that it was an affordable activity for you and your family or for your family to do with the kids. Uh, can you explain that a little further? Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, when I was doing it, I was the kiddo. So I don't really know what the prices were, uh, as my parents were paying for all that stuff. But I do know that they did like family passes and things like that. Um, I know over the years, uh, you know, skiing and ski prices have changed. I do know that in our area, skiing for families is still incredibly affordable. Uh, these mountains want to get kids out and families out and have an investment to get family skiing. And so they offer um, some really cool programs. In fact, one of the programs that our area offers, it's, uh, it's the ski free pass and it's these fifth graders they actually get to ski free for the season. Um, and it's a program that was developed because they found that fifth grade was a pretty developmental year for kids in terms of will they, will they start and like skiing and will they stay with it? Um, and they found that fifth grade is a great year for that. And so, um, so there's that program and actually tailors into sixth grade too. And a lot of families here don't know that, but it does actually tailor into sixth grade. Uh, and then we offer, as you know, cause we did a previous podcast a lot about it, but we offer a season lease program at our store it actually starts out at $139.95 and it gets kids skis, boots, and bindings, and snowboard boots and bindings for the entire season. And really how we've been so successful with that is we have invested in really good gear and really good training with our staff to get kids in the right gear so that they have the best experience possible. Uh, so those are just some ideas. And I know, Drew, if you want to jump in on that in some of the areas and what they do. Yeah, as I say, we're, we're lucky that a lot of our areas in this our region are are still small local hills so we're not big resorts anything like that so you do see everyone um 
pretty much immediately to us has lift tickets around 75 bucks or less for adults. So they're still trying to keep it affordable versus some of the, the bigger resorts out there that are creeping up closer to $200 or more now. So, so that's, that's a good point. Um, I mean, granted local ski Hills, the smaller ones are probably going to be most affordable, but also whenever you're traveling or if you're in a location, just kind of look up the local mountain to see what their rates are. Um, is that fair to say? Cause it's, you might not know if there's a family pass or if there's, you know, six and under ski free or anything like that, or, or go into your local ski shop, right? Cause you guys can help direct a family on, um, kind of the most affordable way to get out there. Is that a. Oh, absolutely. As I say, we get a lot of people, I mean, Spokane is a big enough city and we're close enough to Canada that you see a lot of people flying into Spokane, traveling to other destinations, kind of coming through this region. So we see people and our staff know the area as well because we ski all of them. So we do have some some inside knowledge and some experience. So your your local shops usually have more information than you'd think. And I think what I'd find too is, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, we're in a, and we haven't really broached on this yet, but you know, we have littles now. So we have a one-year-old, almost two, he's a year and 10 months. And then we have a four and a half-year-old. And uh, so we are in the thick of getting kids, you know, new littles out skiing. And I would say probably this time of their life and for us, is maybe um, more of an investment because, you know, I mean, a year, you know, a little baby can't go skiing all Mm -hmm. the time (laughs) and you can't really expect that of them. So we are looking at childcare options and things like that. And um, realistically, I think it's also good to say, you know, if you're going on a ski trip or if you're going to an area resort, be prepared to have a budget set aside for childcare or for kids lessons and do expect that it's it's, it will be a, it will be a little bit of an investment. Um, you know, uh, these kids, these places, they do fill up. You want to make sure you get on top of it and you want to call ahead of time to make sure they have childcare coverage because there is nothing worse than planning a trip, you know, let's say six months out and then you forget to call about childcare and you call a month out and they're completely booked. Now you have the ski trip and you have littles that, you know, need someone to watch them and you can't do it. So, um, there's a whole nother side factor on that as well. So yeah, there's, yeah, it turns out having kids and taking them skiing is extremely complicated, but also very rewarding. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was going to, let's go into that part of it. Um, as far as you guys, well, let's start before you started your family, did you have people you were watching that already had kids that were kind of mentors to you or, or when you thought about, when you started thinking about starting your family, were they going to be a ski family from the get go? Or was it kind of like, well, see how it goes kind of a little bit more loose or forget that they can learn when they're old enough um, to pay for themselves. There's a whole spectrum of stuff. So. Well, that's so funny that you bring it up because, you know, um, Drew and I are a married couple and, you know, obviously there's things that I envisioned pre having kids. And I think Drew envisioned pre having kids. And I will tell you that selfishly before I had kids, I was like, I will not even start my kids skiing until they're four. You know, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Like, what's, what's the point? Like, are they really going to develop or anything like that until four? And then we can ski and put them in childcare or whatever. And, and then we had children, we had, we had Ellie 
And she was not even two. And Drew was like, we are getting her out on skis. We're doing it. Rachel, we own a ski shop. We're doing it. And I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And, um, you know, the experience is it's when you take out a child that's that small, um, I do tell parents a lot of times it's more for your benefit than it is for their theirs. They have a ton of fun and they have a ton of tears. And so it's this navigation of, um, you know, having treats for them and having, getting everything out and hauling all the gear. And you kind of start doing it and you're like, why am I doing this? And then you do it and And then you, you know, and you have some ups and downs throughout the process of getting them on skis and going on that magic carpet ride and going through that experience. The one thing I will tell you is when you're done, you're always glad you did it. And you just think back with like the fullest heart and the most fond memories. So it's been a great experience. And I'm really glad that we've gotten our kids on skis early. Uh, But yeah, Drew, you can jump in on that because, you know, you know me. (laughs) Yeah, no. I was going to say, I, I don't think we had like any like mentors before the ski shop that we were like looking at, like who, who's taking their kids out, who's done this. I think it's kind of evolved since we bought the shop um, and talking to some friends that have kids that are older than ours and giving us tricks of the trade, uh, the candy in the pockets. I had a friend tell us uh, he, he kept no whiny bears in the pocket. So that was a key success for their kids learning and and getting some treats and rewards for going down and standing up and riding the lift and stuff like that. So no, I I, absolutely, Rachel said the under the two year mark, I mean, we had our two year old up a couple weekends ago and he was standing, but that's about it. You're holding on to him. But our four year old now she's making turns and she's got lessons. And so it's, it's really cool. And, really rewarding to watch them kind of change and grow and, and get better. So we rolling with it right now. Personally, my husband and I had some, some role models, a couple of sets of friends that had navigated it before us. Um, at my home mountain, it it's, you go up and you stay for the day or the weekend. Like you don't, you don't just go up for like a couple hours pretty much. So we would see our friends take their babies into the lodge and switch off every few hours. Um, and that's kind of how they did it, how we've done it, how our friends then look to us as mentors to do it. And then just our goal was to show them how happy the sport skiing, snowboarding made us feel and whether or not they wanted to get out there, they would at least be around it. Right. So that, so that if they're like, I'm interested, we have the gear and here we go. But if they weren't, we're like, let's go sledding instead or just play in the lodge. Um, so that was kind of how how we navigated it. And, and granted, we only have one child, which I think is infinitely easier than multiple children. How old is your kid? How old he's four and a half now. So similar to oh. Ellie's age. Yeah. And so he's he just took his first lessons a few weeks ago because we were pretty COVID locked down. We couldn't do daycare. We couldn't do lessons until this year. Um, so it was pretty interesting to see how he took to the lessons, which we actually had to bribe him more to go to lessons than to ski with us. But also just be like, you, you need to learn to ski with friends. It's really fun. Kind of, again, trying to navigate how what we find the sport to be so appealing for or the reasons behind it, you know, that he's also experiencing that. But For sure. I think the thing that we've seen the most is don't don't push the kids. And if they're, they're done, they're done. So you might be out there for 
30 minutes and it took you an hour and a half to get ready, or you might be out there for three hours because they don't want to stop. So, um, yeah, it's been fun to watch, but also, uh, you know, the crying, it's real. And, and, and the, the love for us. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> the parents and, cry. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah. Lugging all the gear back and forth for two runs down the magic carpet. But yeah. when they're smiling at the end and they got their hot cocoa, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I definitely have, um, I do this like time hop app. And so I look back to, you know, photos from previous years. It's like, oh, this one popped up and it was, um, I got everything ready. I was going to skin up the mountain with my son on my chest, just the ski mountain. Right. And, um, I have a picture in the parking lot because that's as far as we could make it that day. He's like, nope, we're not doing it. It's like, sweet, that was three hours. of, <laughs> Or like, he, you know, he like blew oh, out yeah. at the top of the mountain. I'm like, cool, I did not bring a diaper. We're going down. <laughs> like, oh, it's just, yeah. So I'm sure you guys have all of those stories too. And it's just, it. if you see, you know, like whenever I see another parent out there at, at these ages that I understand it, it's like, oh man, kudos to you guys. Like it is so much effort, so rewarding, but... Um, I'm psyched you guys are, are doing the same thing. I'll have to get our kids together. Yeah. Totally. Ooh, love that. Um, it, it's funny navigating, uh, even our ski shop, uh, as a parent now. Um, so our store has always been a really family oriented store. I mean, lots of parents with lots of young kids and, uh, and you know, again, that's where we see tons of kids. Cause we do, gosh, I think we're at what drew over, I think this year we did 3,800 season leases. Um, It's just grown. I mean, even since we did our first podcast about it, I think it's doubled since then. It's just been a, it's been a really great um, platform for our business and for families. Um, But that being said, we see tons of families. And I would tell you that pre having children ourselves, uh, I was, I always thought I was patient with kids and, you know, I, Obviously, I was great with kids and enjoy kids. But after having kids, I have such a real appreciation for parents and navigating children and having fun with them. And, you know, our store is, you know, I find that children in our store, they run circles. (laughs) They do. There's something about the store. They just all kind of run in circles. And um, it's actually fun to watch them and to go, hey, you know, how can we make this a fun experience for you and make this a fun experience for your family? And it's really elevated, I think, us in, in how we work with families because we understand it now. Now we know what it's like when your kiddos, I mean, our our, ki- our kids, when we walk into a store, we don't let them just run wild. Um, we want them to be well behaved and, you know, all these things. But we understand that they're also little and sometimes that is a process for us as well, you know? So um, it's been a really good experience. It's fun doing it ourselves and then really uh, giving that praise to the parents because really every parent should have praise that is getting their kiddos out on skis. It is an investment and there's no other word for it. It is a 100% investment uh, to our future and to their future. Um, And it's really rewarding, but it is hard. I, I was just picturing my son hiding underneath like all the clothing racks. So I sure you guys see that everywhere. It's like, <laughs> what can you do to make oh, the yeah. experience better? Just have clothing racks, right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So um, how about of the, you said 3,800 season leases, seasonal leases. So yeah. are you like full spectrum, like um, never, ever like 14.5 Mondo, like the smallest ski boots all the way up to, 
expert adults? Like what's, what's the range? Or I guess maybe let's just talk about the range for kids gear. Um, do you have those teeny tiny boots and are you seeing families come in and lease those? Or is it more like people are starting at four or higher or older? No, we definitely got the 14 fives, the smallest stuff, 70 centimeter skis all the way up through um, adult stuff. But I wouldn't say it's expert level adult stuff. It's more like um, adults either getting back into it or a spouse is getting into it and they're not sure if it's going to take. So they want to kind of try it for a season before they invest in the gear. But I would say around a hundred centimeter ski and kind of like 18 to 19 side size boots is about where like it really kicks off. So probably your four-year-old, four to five-year-old, and then really like six-year-olds kind of and up. So that's where we're seeing a lot of families get started with it. Some of the little littles is, uh, I mean, we do a a little bit of them, but I wouldn't say it's a a huge number. And so is it all seasonal leases or so if somebody comes, they're visiting from, you know, out of state, out of town, wherever, and they want to get their kids on the hill. Do you see that happening or do you think they're people are more likely to do the babysitter route or just not have their kids go when they're four or three or anything like that? You know, when kids are, it's a loaded question. I mean, every family is different, right? Um, so we definitely, so we do all kinds of options at our store. So we do the season leases, which is probably our biggest program in that realm. Um, and then we also do, we do a few other things. We do a buyback program where you can buy new gear and you can use it for up to two full seasons. And then we buy it back from you at 50% off. Um, so that's another route that some people go. And then we also do daily rentals. Um, what's really interesting about the daily rentals is we'll have families sometimes come in, you know, like you said, they're coming in, let's say for a week. And uh, daily rental, I mean, for a kid is $35, I believe. And then it's like 40 for um, an adult. Uh, and so what we'll do is if they're taking it for a week and maybe they're only skiing three days, but they have the gear, you know, I mean, we're typically renting out for the time they have the gear. So a lot of times those people will end up just doing a season lease because it's less expensive or they'll do a daily rental or we'll figure it out. We really work with basically all families and what their individual situation is. Um, we realize that not everything is black and white. And I think that's where our business is is different uh, than a lot of, you know, big corporate style businesses or anything like that. We're going to actually work with families and, and really try to make the experience best for them and for their families. Uh, And so we have all these type, all these programs. Um, I think the hardest thing for us is sometimes making sure it can get confusing almost with our team, you know, at our store, you know, it's like, okay, who does what, where, you know, and trying to explain um, that we're really a yes culture. Uh, so when people come in, um, we want to say yes, and we want to navigate with what's best for the families. And we find that in turn, that's usually what's best for our business as well. Nice. So let's talk gear for for kids. And this could be anywhere from your two-year-old to four-year-old to, you know, older kids. What are some, what's some advice you guys have for, let's start with soft goods, like apparel, uh, layering. What, what are you liking um, for that right now? What do you guys carry in the store? Some, just some advice for people getting out there. Well, I'd say the number one advice that was told to me, and I think this was probably back when I was in college teaching. I was I taught lessons um, at a local area in Boise, Idaho. Um, is if your kids are warm, 
they're going to have more fun and the parents are going to have more fun. So I think Rachel's taken that to her soft good buys when, when she's looking at all the apparel and Rachel, you can go into this a little bit more, but base layers and good socks and good gear, it, it matters for the parents fun as well as the kids. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, kids gear, I think a lot of times gets put a little bit on the back burner. Like you go into Target and you see a jacket and you see boots and you see these warm layers. Um, and a lot of parents, you know, in general or overall are putting their kids in this gear to go skiing. And I mean, I guess I would venture to say that a lot of these parents are not putting themselves in that gear. There's, we really shouldn't be putting our kiddos in that stuff. It's not designed to keep you dry. I mean, the crazy thing about kids, uh, you look at kiddos and they are in the snow. Our daughter, literally, when she goes skiing, half of her enjoyment is sitting down and eating snow. So our goal is to find her clean yeah. snow because we're like, oh my God, oh my God, that's all you're doing. And she's literally digging her hands in and she's rolling in it and having this great time. So kids actually get, they actually get down to the level of snow where they can get wet and once they're wet, they're cold. And so once you have that conversation with parents and you're like, hey, listen, um, we'll hear it a lot with, um, I'll go back to the apparel, but we'll hear it with gloves a lot. I'll have, um, you know, parents say, you know, hey, should I get a leather glove for my child? And, and typically our answer for that is, I mean, not really. It's actually almost better to get a kiddo. I mean, it, whatever has a waterproof coating. Um, now, adults... Our, our hands sweat and they they need to breathe. And so like a waterproof versus non-waterproof, I mean, that's almost a whole different conversation. With kids, it's like, no, get waterproof because they're digging their hands in the snow. They're making snowballs. They're eating snow. They're, they're getting in snowball fights, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, but they're really, you know, at ground level. And so um, the same goes with the apparel. So when I'm ordering for kiddos, I'm always looking at price points. Don't get me wrong. No parent wants to go spend $300 for a jacket for their kid because their kids are growing. I get that. Um, so I'm always looking at, I'm price point conscious, but I'm also looking at what are your waterproofing levels? What are your insulation levels? Um, and, and I have found it's been a learning curve for me. Uh, I definitely would tell you this year for sure, but I got to get more bibs in. I mean, I kind of thought, oh, as kids get a little older, they're going to want pants and, and they don't. Parents still want bibs for kids. And, and so, um, the brands we carry, I mean, some really good ones. I mean, we carry Obermeyer. They've been fantastic. Spider is always fantastic. Um, we actually brought in picture mm -hmm. kids this year and it, it, it's been really, yeah. really good. Uh, so we try to bring in, a a fairly wide assortment um, because again we do sell a lot of kid stuff um, but just my my biggest advice to parents is invest in your kids gear because you will have a better your kid will have a better day therefore you will have a better day yeah uh, really good advice and my so my son goes to forest school um, which is outside all the time so he's not just at the ski area running around in the snow but also there so it's like the durability which the brands you mentioned like our experience with them is they're extremely durable like they're not getting he's not ripping holes in them all the time but also cleaning products like he comes home covered in mud one day and I try to wash it rewaterproof it and send it back out for the next day or whatnot so um definitely invest in the products to start but also in a cleaning product that will keep that um 
the DWR finish or whatever type of finish on the outside um, to add that extra layer. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and then also, uh, a lot of parents don't know about this. It's and, and we actually used it for the first time this year. I've been talking about it for years. But most of these companies have something that they put in their um, in their gear called iGrow. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, are you familiar with yes, it, Kristen? Yes, I am for some, some companies. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, um, and it's a great question to ask, uh, you know, if you're walking into a store to see if they have it. So basically what happens on these jackets and on the pants, they will actually put a a stitch in it. That's usually about two inches, um, inside the cuffs or basically where the wrists are or where, you know, the ankle is. And, uh, the idea is that you, obviously most parents size for a little bit of growth with their kids as they should. Um, and then, when they actually, you know, maybe get a little bit, when their gear gets a little small, you go in and it's like the stitch that's inside and you, you release that stitch and it adds and extends about an extra, anywhere from about an inch and a half to usually about two inches of length onto the pant and onto the arm. Um, we actually use this for our daughter this year. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, we've never done this before. So we went and I, you know, we, took out the scissors and did the stitch and pulled it and figured it all out. And we were mind blown. It literally added, it added probably about, I don't know. I mean, her gear was already pretty small to (laughs) go with, but it added about six months of uh, her to wear it again. Wouldn't you say Drew? Oh, probably at least it was, her pants looked like they're, they're little high waters. Mm -hmm. And then we cut, (laughs) cut the stitch and we're like, Oh, that's probably how they should look a little bit longer for her. Keep more snow yeah, out. That's a, another point on that one too, which you guys, I think all the companies you mentioned, um, but something parents I think should look out for is the the gator or the cuff. There's a lot of companies that, especially with the smallest size, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but they don't actually fit over a ski boot because the they just don't stretch enough. So if you're ski, like if you think of yourself skiing around with that cuff in tucked into your ski boot and getting snow in there versus putting it over and keeping that warmth and snow out, like that, that's something that I highly recommend. And I think, yeah, I'm sure all the companies you guys have, have that, but there are some big name brands out there that, that do not. Um, So just something to keep in mind for parents as well. Oh, totally. And that's part of our process when we're fitting kids for boots, whether it's daily rentals or season lease stuff, we try and explain to the parents or educate them on how everything should fit. Because a lot of times you see kids tucking their, their sweatpants into the boot and that, that gator gets tucked into the boot and they're, they're not sure what to do with it. So our we try to be as thorough and let parents know for overall comfort that gator needs to go on the outside. Nothing else should be in the boot besides a sock. So there's a lot more educating when you're just fitting a, a ski boot than you would think. It's not like buying a new pair of shoes at Nike and they grab your size and that's it. So Um, It all plays into the success of the parents and how much fun they're going to have on the hill. Yeah. I, to kind of lead into that too, um, when we're doing our boot fits, uh, we always, when we do our season lease, we always do, if you get a pair of socks or 10% off, um, we really want parents to understand how important and valuable a ski sock is. Um, The types of socks that we see come in that kids are skiing with is it, 
I mean, it's, it, it's all across the board. <laughs> um, I mean, you'll obviously see the just normal, so- you know, cotton sock or whatever. Um, but a lot of times I see more often than not, we see uh, parents come in and they think they're like, oh my gosh, we got our kids this really warm sock. And it's this big, fluffy cotton, you know, you guys know the comfortable sock that you wear kind of around the house. Um, and they'll have those on and we're like, no, 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 no. I mean, that's just going to absorb moisture. It's going to get wet. It's too thick. They're not going to be able to really feel their ski. And so we really do educate on getting, you know, a really good ski sock made of merino with specific padding in specific places. Um, because again, this all goes into these kiddos and their comfort for the day. Yeah. And, and make sure it's not like a crew sock or anything like that. It needs to go up your shin a ways, connect with the base layer, right? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've always been surprised that how thick some of the padding on some socks are compared to like a kid's foot. It's like, that's thicker than my ski sock padding. Um, and considering how small their feet are, like the, the ratio is kind of crazy, but I've, I've started finding some, some decent ones that aren't, um, super thick so that my son doesn't have to go up like a full size just to, to put, you know, a sock under his boot. So. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that Kristen, because, um, so typically kid socks are, they're like, I would say a little bit thicker in ratio. Now, I actually like that because when, again, when we're sizing a kiddo for a season lease, we are not sizing them the way we would size an adult, right? Those kids are growing. And so we typically size about a about a size to a size and a half up um, because we have to assume that throughout the season, they're going to grow. And so to have a little bit more padding is is actually really nice because it helps them fill that mm. boot out just a little bit better and give them just a little bit extra warmth. Um, I don't, I don't think very often or really ever <laughs> do we find a kiddo who puts on a boot that is technically the correct size for them that they like. <laughs> They're always like, Oh, this is way too tight. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and, and it's actually, it's funny when you start to transition kids from having been in a season lease boot or um, a, a boot where they've been, hey, you're going to grow and we're planning for growth or whatever you get. So we have this whole transitionary year where, you know, kids anywhere from, I would say, 15 to really 18, where we're, where we're like, okay, it's time to get you in a boot that fits you the way that we fit an adult boot. And Drew, you can play into this because you're the boot fit master, but it you have to address it from from up front and say this boot is going to feel totally different because they're always there these kids are so used to having room and now i mean a root a true correct boot fitting you're not going to have room the same way you did so i don't know if you want to elaborate on that drew but <laughs> yeah i mean with our season lease we're explaining a lot that hey these especially in the fall these kids are coming in in the fall after they've spent all summer wearing flip-flops and tennis shoes and sandals so none of which fit really snug and no parent buys them snug because they want them to last more than two months um so explaining that to the families of how it's supposed to support you you can't ski without the support of the boot and so when you transition those kids or even the younger kids that are now getting into different area like race programs you want to make sure that the boot is actually helping them ski and not in not hurting their ability to, to turn that ski. So there's, there's a lot of explaining. There's a lot of, of proving that this is actually supposed to be fitting like this and explaining to the parents why it's supposed to fit like this. So 
back back to the whole education of why things fit like they should. Yeah, and and my experience with uh so so my son when he started, you know, before he was 2 and stuff like that, the smallest he has, he has tiny feet. Um, 14.5 is the smallest Mondo, right, that you can find. And so the big, thicker sock was super helpful. And we still have those same exact boots. And we almost got new ones this year. But we went to this shop where we purchased them. And he was saying the thinner sock. And, and my son now, like, he, at first when I when I tried him on them on with him, he's like, too tight, too tight. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then we go to the ski shop and the um, – our boot technician explained like he put them in the shell and, you know, made sure there was wiggle room in the front. And then when I got him home to put them in the actual um, liner and he just like, just heel tap the back, we get those thinner socks and he's, he's been wearing them all season comfortably. And we have like the next size up and stuff, but, um, but yeah, so like having those variations in socks and of course, like for season leases and everything like that, that makes sense. But once they start getting tight, like if they get that less padding, you know, it could, could last them that extra month through the end of the season too. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Socks, socks go a long (laughs) way in your boot fit. Uh, it's, it's crazy how important a sock is. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Let's see what, so recommendations for, Hard goods. So the skis and poles. Are you guys a believer in poles from the start? Poles um, once they get a certain technique down, or kind of just what whatever the instructor or parent or whatever decides? Do you have a strong opinion? So kind of my thought. I mean, we've skis and like gear for little kids. Um, it's all all made the same. I mean, it's same. It's it's just different top sheet, different colors, stuff like that. Um, so you explain that a little bit and once kids are starting to make some solid link and some good turns and they're skiing a little more aggressively, that's when you can kind of start talking about that tweener ski. That's going to be maybe more of a wood core versus a foam core. Um, and then poles, we usually leave it up to the parents. Kind of my, the advice that I give them, um, is that we always gave when instructing kids is if they're linking good turns and there's multiple turns in a row and maybe some parallel turns. It's not just a wedge turn in there. That's kind of about the time to start thinking about poles. Um, a lot of times it comes down to if they have an older brother, older sister, and they have poles. Now the little one wants poles. And so um, obviously we've got those options available for the parents if they want, but I usually leave it to, Hey, if they're making good, good link turns and stuff like that, that's where you can start to introduce poles and it, the poles aren't a distraction or a, a weapon to be used against that brother or sister. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's what I was going to say. Poles, poles can be a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be, and, and they can be a huge distraction. Um, I find on average, I mean, a little kid, a four-year-old, they don't need poles. You know, I would say again, now that's not my decision. If a parent wants to get their kid a pole, we do carry, I think, poles all the way down to like 80 centimeters, which is just tiny. And we have them for, you know, the parents who do want them. Um, I, you know, I typically say, Hey, you know, you're, you're, if they're taking any lessons, their instructor will usually guide them that way. But I would say that most kids start with poles somewhere between, what did you say, Drew, six and eight Probably. is usually when we really start seeing, um, you know, pole, you know, kiddos needing poles. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, my, so I, we don't use poles for my son. Um, 
But it's interesting just like skiing around on the bunny slope or whatever, like an instructor will come up like, get that kid pole soon. Or like other ones like, don't do it. So there's so many different opinions and just letting the parents, you know, have that ability if they, if they understand it. Of course, like if you have some, you know, parents that aren't that familiar with skiing and you guys providing guidance, that's pretty great. But yeah, the whole weaponizing the poles is, is real, especially if they're sharp tips and everything kind of terrifying. Oh, we see. We, we, we've seen some close calls in our store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. We're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> nice. Um, no, it's fun. It's fun. I, it's funny. I don't think I've ever had anyone like yell, hey, that kiddo needs a pole or doesn't need a pole. You know, I mean, that's that's so funny that they're doing that. That cracks yeah, me up. Yeah, <laughs> it was like one instructor and he just like pulls up beside us and is talking. I'm like, cool. Thanks for the advice. Like, we're going to keep going, though. Not listen to you. <laughs> But everybody has opinions. Well, what we've learned, well, yeah, we've just learned there's so many ways to coach a, a child. And and there are a ton of opinions. We've learned that as well, too. Um, you know, something I think that we found interesting, and, you know, Drew, we can kind of speak on this, but with Ellie, we um, we used a leash uh, when she first started. And um, in hindsight... I don't think that was the best thing to do because she just learned that she could go whatever speed she wanted and she always was safe, you know, because we were holding on, you know, with these, these leashes. And um, this year we haven't let her use the leash at all. And she has advanced, I feel like quite a bit. And so with Hayden, who he actually just got out on skis for the first time on my birthday, which was February 10th. And, uh, and he's a year and 10 months. And I cannot tell he did so good it was crazy i could not get in front of him fast enough um he just he didn't want to be touched he just wanted to ski and he was actually doing really good um but i've been a little bit adver adverse and i don't know you know drew and i haven't really had a ton of time to even talk about it but i've been adverse to the leash i'm like i don't even want him to try it because i want him to learn to lean forward uh instead of back so that's been kind of an interesting thing uh yeah no ellie Ellie relied on that that leash and the har the harness to kind of hold her in place. It was it was a nice way to get her out and get her comfortable with the snow, but having some sort of teaching that that showed her where she needs to place her hands and even the lessons that she's taken when she gets on the magic carpet now by herself, she's like hands out front, daddy hands out front, and so she she knows what she's doing, and I'd say. I mean, the biggest thing I can say is lessons are going to be so good for anybody trying to get into the sport. Um, wherever your local hill is, the host guys and ladies are the ones that know how to teach it. So I taught a long, long time ago, and but I don't think Ellie wants to listen to us the same way she'll listen to her, her ski coach. And we tell her she gets to go to ski school, and she loves it, so... Um, yeah, those, those coaches go a long ways. Yeah. I think, I think it's, um, as a parent kind of learning that every child is so unique, like you could all try the same type of sleep training, right. But your kid is going to be different than the other kids and same with eating and same with skiing and everything like that. So, um, kind of parents can figure that out kind of thing. And, and going back to the leash, like, man, the first time I used a leash with Lyndon, it was, I guess, two years ago. And, it was, we went like into the woods and like on purpose, like through the trail, like through some glades. And 
I just wanted to throw that thing. Like I was about to throw it in the trash can because it wasn't one that retracts and it was getting all tangled up when he would slow down. I was like, I'm done. But our mountain is, my home mountain is not necessarily the most beginner friendly. We have very like two small kid lifts and, and a couple of magic carpets, but it gets boring super quick. And personally, I was like, I want to go up and have a picnic on the big mountain, but I do not trust him to ski down. Like he, he wasn't getting a snowplow, you know. Um, he could turn, he just couldn't stop himself. So I would, you know, let him ski and I would hold the leash and we'd get around and we'd go have, we'd go up a couple chairlifts, have a picnic lunch and then go home. And it was fantastic. And it was, it was great. And, and this year I was like, no more leash. We're not doing leash anymore. Um, we also, sorry, we also tried hula hoops. We tried the edgy wedgie, just trying to like figure out what works and everything's a little different, you know, pros and cons on all of these things. But this year, like, he was using the, he insisted on the leash for steep stuff and it was a crutch for sure. And like just talking to him helped us, um, get him through like, um, his fear of being off leash, but like, he's doing that, you know, hands forward. We've got some other tips and tricks to get him to like snowplow stop and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the leash again, love it and hate it for me personally, but I like, we now detach the actual leash part. He just wears the backpack, from the little lucky bumps. And then that just to lift him on the chairlift. Cause he's, you know, three feet tall. Like he can't, he can't jump on those things. So the backpack is a game changer and every parent with a, a small child should get the backpack because it has that handle. And then you can actually, you're right. You don't need, the, it has a leash, but you don't have to use the leash, but the backpack yeah. part, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's nothing better. That, that has been very helpful. Uh, helps get them up when they fall. Yeah, you just yeah. grab that little handle. I mean, it's a, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah. De- I definitely haven't carried my son down the mountain, like in small increments, holding onto that handle at all. No, wouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I think the other really cool thing, and we're talking a lot about littles because we have them, right? We have kiddos that are four and younger. Um, But one thing that I that I always like to share uh, in terms of skiing with families, because you, you do get a lot of, we get a lot of customers who come in to inquire. They they don't ski as a family. They are looking into it. They're um, nervous about it, kind of want to know the pros and cons, or or maybe, you know, they're, they're into it, but their kids are not into it. And they're struggling trying to keep their kids involved, or, you know, there's all kinds of different situations. But um, one of the things that I will always say about skiing with a family and skiing with kids is there is no other sport that gives children the freedom like skiing. Um, we just, and I, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Um, but we live in this world where where you're a little bit ostracized if you're not watching your child at all times, you know? Um, I know when I was a kid, we'd go to the park by ourselves, you know? I know we would, we just had a, I, I genuinely, we definitely had a lot more freedom as children, I know, when I was young. Um, I think a lot of that has changed and, but I don't think it's really necessarily changed when it comes to skiing. I think there's still this unwritten rule that when a kid gets to a certain age, uh, they can go off and they can go skiing with their friends and they can come meet up with their parents. And I mean, obviously there's always that connection. You know where your kids are, kinda. <laughs> I mean, how often do you really know exactly where your kids are on the mountain if they're on a totally different chairlift, right? But there's this freedom that they get to go experience this. Um, and I think it's a really good uh, time of 
independence for kids. But then I would also say it's one of the best ways to navigate and create a great relationship and do a really fun activity with your children. Um, I always tell Drew I want to do this ad where we show a parent with their child, you know, 30 feet up on a chairlift. I said, there's no other sport where you can be 30 feet up on a chairlift having a conversation with your child and that, you know, trapped, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> they can't go yeah. anywhere. Uh, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> and then um, and then you get off the chairlift and you go do this fun activity together. It's just, there's nothing in the world like it, you know? And it, it doesn't end when they're a kid, right? Like, I always love skiing with my family uh, as an adult, too. So it's, it's this um, lifelong sport you guys share, which is, I think, pretty remarkable. That's such a good point. I mean, we go do ski trips with my family every single year. Uh, and and then you see 80-year-olds skiing. I mean, how many sports can you do that take you all through your entire lifespan? Uh, so it's such a gift. And that's why you say it is an investment. It is an investment to to do this with kiddos and to help your kiddos learn how to ski and to put in the time and, and to struggle through it, but then to also reap the rewards. It, it, there's this outcome that's unbelievable. Yeah, and and, um, and as you mentioned, we we both are we all have littles. But what I've noticed, um, and granted, I I don't have a six or seven year old, but um, for those parents or families that are looking to get in it when the child is older, like I think that kid just catches up so quickly that you don't have to necessarily start when they're two or four. If like you can't get out there till they're six, like you still can lay the foundation eight, ten. You know, it's it's still they're gonna be you know, have better control of their legs, have more strength and everything. And they're going to get that snowplow way quicker than, you know, the four-year-old did and just be moving along the mountain that much faster. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think the little littles is more for the parents' enjoyment and just getting them outside doing something in the snow and getting them familiar with it. But as soon as they're older, that muscle strength really plays in. And you're absolutely right that they pick things up faster because they have the strength and they can do it easier. Uh, I was actually talking to a ski instructor who said seven. Seven is the age that they have a totally different muscle mass that uh, that elongates how long they can be on the mountain and the things that they can do. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I have friends that learned to ski when they were 30, you know, so it's, or even older and they're just crushing it out there and having fun. So although is it, I feel like this is a Bodie Miller quote, like the person, uh, the best skier on the mountain is the one having the most fun, um, you know, no matter what age or as long as you're enjoying it. So um, question for you guys, how can um, maybe advice for other ski shops out there, ski and board shops, um, how can ski shops play a role in helping families get on the slopes? I know you guys touched on it a little, but do you have other advice on, on that for others? Yeah, I would say just educating the parents, giving them all the information, having insight into local hills and what programs they offer, what who offers lessons, who offers childcare, if you've got different age kids. I mean, information is power, they always say. So more information that the ski shops can pass off and give to these parents will just help help them have a better time on the hill, which hopefully keeps more people involved in the sport for longer. So Yeah, and I think you just need to know your niche as a as as a you know, as a business shop, as a shop, you know, this is our niche. We love families. Uh, and it, and, and so we've taken it and we've tried to run with it. Um, and if you are 
a ski or snowboard shop that really works with families, I think the biggest thing is to be flexible. Um, every family is dealing with something different. And so if we can be flexible to help them with their specific needs, you just see the t- the tension or nervousness that a lot of these families will have completely release. Like, like just to give an example, one of the things that we do, um, we'll have families come in who, you know, they bought, let's say all this stuff at a ski swap and they, we, they'll come in and they'll say, Hey, can you help us navigate what fits with what kid? And we always say yes, because I mean, again, it ends up being a win-win. We'll look at their gear and we'll say, Hey, this, this works for Johnny. This setup works great. I think you have this for Carrie. Um, These boots are way too small or that ski is way too big and here's why. And then we can walk through and, and they're so, they're, they're so grateful to have that. And yeah, maybe we didn't make that initial sale, but usually what happens is that opens up to creating relationships and relationship opens up to business, right? So um, those are like the little things that we try to do just to navigate, you know, each individual family and what they need. Do you guys recommend um, little skiing and helmets and goggles, or what's what's your guys's thoughts on on that and what what to look for if um, you do think they should be out in that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we recommend helmets to everybody. Um, it's maybe I mean, kids are close to the ground, so it may not be their fall, but it may be another kid screaming down the magic carpet that hits them, and that's what we tell the adults on the hill too. I mean, it, you may be the best gear in the world. You may not feel like it, but maybe you come around a bend and someone doesn't see you where trails merge. And so there's always the unknown, um, goggles with it's, it's been interesting. Our, our four-year-old refuses to wear them. Um, they're on top of her helmet mo- <laughs> majority of the time. So, I mean, we've, we've actually looked at different products and now the visor helmets are starting to become more popular. So, for kids, I don't know if I will see myself wearing a visor helmet. Um, I like my goggle setup, but for kids, I think it's absolutely a game changer that they can get some protection and they can slide it up and slide it down and it's not going to fall off and it's going to be in the same spot. But, um, yeah, I mean, we do get, I said, we do get parents who come in and, um, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, I don't need to get goggles for my kids. And, and I, always have goggles for your children because if if you went out we all know if you went out in a blizzard storm and you don't have eyewear there's nothing fun about that so you want even if your kid doesn't wear it all the time you want them to be prepared uh to protect them so it's good to have those goggles for sure nice have you guys has ellie tried the um visor helmet we haven't had her try the okay. visor helmet. We've still got a, a helmet that fits her. And I would say actually last time we went out, she was actually wearing her goggles nice. and she asked to wear them. So I was, I was kind of shocked. It, yeah. Progress. <laughs> it's, but I think it's also kids getting used to things on their face mm-hmm. and on their head. And, and, and I know our little one, he's just started wearing hats now and he's okay with it. But I remember when Ellie was his his age she would be 10 degrees outside and she would refuse to wear a beanie on her head and we look like the bad parents so um it just takes yes time we're for- wearing be <laughs> we're wearing beanies <laughs> she won't wear yeah. hers <laughs> it's sorry go ahead drew but no it's just them getting used to the gear it's a lot of new gear it's a lot of new things so it takes time and over time they they start to use it with 
the way they should. So nice. Yeah, it's it, it's shocking how kids are so different from each other too. Well, or some will totally. refuse to wear a hat. Some do not care if there's something on their head. Like my son has been the easiest gear tester ever because he'll just go along with whatever. Um, which maybe is makes him a bad gear tester. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's and then you know my nephew or niece will not put a hat on her head even if it's you know ten below. So it's it's fun to see it, but also don't judge those parents out there because I bet they're doing their best. <laughs> so yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah. Kudos to all parents out there. <laughs> they are trying. They're doing their best. And I, it's true. When you see other parents, you know, on the mountain, I'm always like, whoo, 10-4, I got you. I understand. What can I yeah, do to help? Exactly. <laughs> I take those extra skis for you. My hands are free. Seriously. <laughs> Sweet. Well, um, Ellie, can you say hi? <sighs> say hi. <laughs> Ellie, you know what we're talking about right now? We're talking about skiing. Do you love to ski? Can you say, yes, I love to ski? Yes. Say, say it loud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, Hayden, do you love to ski? No, I ski. Say, I love to ski. No, I ski. <laughs> no, ski. No, ski. <laughs> he says, no, yeah. ski. No, yeah, ski. Not skiing now, but soon. Did you do a really good job yeah. last time you skied? Yeah. What was your favorite um, part about it? Um, no. Skiing with daddy. Oh, skiing with daddy. Oh. Yes. Nice. What was so fun nice. about it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Do you like going fast? Did, did we ride the magic carpet? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and Ellie, do you like to ride the big chairlift? Yes. What's your favorite part about that? Um. See. Um. Uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you like skiing with mommy and daddy and Hayden? Yeah. Is it fun to go as a family? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to all of you. Oh my gosh, this has been really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, and much. I hope uh, hope to actually make some turns with all of you sometime soon. I know Lyndon would absolutely love to ski with you guys, so. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys got to come out to Crested Butte next uh, February and we'll get them all together. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Little Blister Summit trip. We're talking Toddler Summit coming up. So there's a lot of us with them. Perfect. So it's uh, it's been great talking to you guys. Um, look forward to talking to you again soon and hopefully actually making some turns with you next season. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us on today, Kristen. We appreciate it. Yeah, we really enjoy this. This is really fun. It's fun to talk to you guys. And it's fun to talk about skiing, especially with yes, kids. definitely. All, All right, thanks. Sounds great. And now it's time for our weekly What We're Celebrating segment. Today is March 1st, and I have to admit, the ski season has been flying by. I blame the Blister Summit, but I'm also still riding the Blister Summit high, so I can't really blame it for a lot. It was a great event. But I'm ready to get back to skiing, and specifically tailgating and celebrating the ski season with friends. So with that, I raise my glass of sparkling water and offer a cheers to everyone out there that is looking forward to spending the next month plus enjoying their time on and off the snow. And that concludes this episode of Gear 30. Thank you to Drew and Rachel Harding for the conversation. 
Thanks to you, our listeners. And thanks to J-Bob for producing this episode. If you're not following Gear 30 yet, put it at the top of your list of things to do. Also, leave us a rating. At one point, I believe Jonathan promised myself and my fellow reviewers a monoski heli trip if we hit a certain number of five-star ratings. So please leave a review and help us get there. Okay, I'll talk to you all again soon. Have a great day.